I'm Bishop Earl Fernandez. I'm the Bishop of the Diocese of Columbus. Who I am and what my name is really isn't important because today we are celebrating the feast of the most holy name of Jesus, a name which means God saves. If the first two lines of today's gospel sound familiar to you, well, they should because they were the last two lines of this past Sunday's gospel, uh, concluding the octave of Christmas. In that gospel, the shepherds made haste to see if the angel's words were true. The shepherds who labored in the fields by the sweat of their brow, the shepherds who were uh, viewed with suspicion by so many people because they were poor and they struggled to survive. But they had a vision for a better future. And so they made haste to Bethlehem and there they saw the mother and her child. And all their sorrows seemed to slip away and their hearts were lifted and they were filled with joy and they were transformed by what they saw, a mother with her child. But the child was their salvation, the fulfillment of all their hopes and all their dreams and all their desires. God made flesh in a tender child. And they went away rejoicing proclaiming to everyone the wonders they had seen. And then after eight, on the eighth day, the child was circumcised and was given the name Jesus, which had been given to him by the angel. The circumcision of the Lord is important because he becomes a child, true child of Abraham. There's a sign of the covenant, but also because you have the first drop of his most precious blood shed for the redemption of sins. This is why he was sent, to save us from our sins, to grant us forgiveness and reconciliation with God. He was given the name by the angel and St. Joseph followed through, Jesus, because this was his mission, who he was called to be, to be the savior of the world. And Mary and Joseph, in accordance with the law, brought him up to offer him back to the Father, Jesus' whole mission would be his self-offering to the Father for our salvation. The shepherds were transformed, and we too should be transformed by this encounter with the Lord. But the shepherds, in some ways, went out and they had to convince people that what they had seen was true. They proclaimed him everywhere and with joy. In that sense, they had an entrepreneurial spirit. You who have gathered for the focus for this Sikh conference, especially the focus missionaries, you know something about being an entrepreneur. When I was in the seminary, I was a seminary academic dean. We had a couple of classes on business administration and those sorts of things, but it doesn't make a person an entrepreneur. Pope Francis wants us to be a church that goes forth, that goes to the spiritual and existential peripheries, that proclaims the joy of the gospel but we cannot use the same old methods. We have to have a new vision. We have to be, in a way, spiritual entrepreneurs if we want to make the joy of Christmas known to the whole world, that God comes to save us from our sins, and that through him we can have true peace, peace of heart, and reconciliation with God and our neighbor. So sometimes I will talk to the priests of the Diocese of Columbus and say, 
You need to be a spiritual entrepreneur. But I'm happy that none of them actually ever asked me, well, what does that mean, Bishop? I wasn't actually sure what it meant either. But I had, but I had a conversation, I had lunch with uh, the CEO and president of the Columbus Chamber of Commerce. So I said to him, you know, I tell my priest you should be a spiritual entrepreneur. But I don't know what it means. What, do you, what does it being an entrepreneur mean for you? And he said, the first thing it means is having a vision. It says in the wisdom literature, without vision, the people perish. What is your vision? Someone once asked my old Archbishop Polarczyk, Archbishop, do you have a vision for the diocese? He says, yes, I call it the New Testament. And that's true. <laughs> but perhaps the vision we need is what the shepherds saw and what Mary, the mother of Jesus and St. Joseph saw the vision of the face of Christ, to always be seeking his face, to always be calling upon his most holy name in joy and in sorrow, in those moments when we need to discern which way to go, to always seek the face of the Lord. What is our vision? Our problems in life will never go away. How we confront them is different based on our relationship with Jesus Christ. Do we have a vision of a life and a world ordered toward God. The vision that the shepherds had brought them great peace and joy. What is your vision for the future? But not just the future of our church and our world, but we should also ask, Lord, what is your vision? Because God's vision, God's plan is always better than ours. And so we need to constantly be in prayer to discern the right vision, to see. When I was a child, we lived in a three-bedroom house, seven of us, and the bathroom was down at the end of the hall, and we didn't want to turn the light on in the middle of the night, so we tried to make it through the darkness. But my parents invariably, we should have learned, kept the door to the hallway open, and so we would walk silently in the dark and then slam our heads on the door, wake up the whole house. This is what happens when we don't have vision. We yell and we scream in pain. But the vision of God gives us tranquility and peace, a heavenly peace. So an entrepreneur has to have vision and a spiritual entrepreneur has to have the vision of God and his plan for our world and our church. I said, well, what else does an entrepreneur have to do? He says, well, he has to stay focused. You watch successful entrepreneurs, they're very focused on what they do. No distractions. For many of us, a distraction comes in a little box about this, this big and it's a cell phone or a tablet. We're easily distracted today. Jesus, the Redeemer, was focused on saving us from our sins, on finding the lost sheep. He was determined. Are we so determined? What distracts us? What are our gifts and our strengths that we can put in the Lord's service? Archbishop Rosansky talked about we are more than one or two here. 17,000, they tell me, we are here. He said, spiritual entrepreneurs stay focused because they surround themselves with good people who complement them. Our brothers and sisters are not our rivals, but instead, they are our co-workers in the vineyard of the Lord to build up the church and increase the kingdom of God in the world. We stay focused by appreciating God's gifts, by having a life of prayer, by having an ordered life then we can say, Lord, what is it that you are asking of me in this moment? Help me to confront this issue here. Help me to see your way, to stay focused. 
what distracts you from the vision of God. My brother bishops here could tell you they get distracted very easily when they get complaint letters, lots and lots of complaint letters, and sometimes they get attacked on the social media. Shut off the social media. Put off your phone and go see what Jesus thinks and what he's asking of you in your life, in your studies, in your work, to be the person he has called you to be. The Holy Father, Pope Francis, just gave us a beautiful apostolic letter on St. Francis de Sales. And St. Francis de Sales says, be who you are and be that well in honor of the master craftsman whose handiwork you are. So be focused on who God is calling you to be and the task he has given to you because he believes that you can accomplish it. Peter was a simple fisherman, yet he was called to be the rock and the foundation of the church. Weak on his own abilities, he succeeded by openness to God's grace, being comfortable in his own skin. A spiritual entrepreneur has a clear vision, and he is focused. He said, well, what else does an entrepreneur have to do? He says he has to be a salesman. He has a product, he has to sell it. Well, I have good news. We have a great product. It's a, the gospel of Jesus Christ. The founder, we have a great church. Its founder happens to be the savior of the world, and he comes and he gives life to everyone who will believe in him and have friendship with him. We have a great message to sell. But do we do it with enthusiasm, with zeal? Focus missionaries have to fundraise their own salary. I don't want to be too hard on the priests here. What if your priest or your parish priest back home had to fundraise his own salary and his salary was directly proportional to his preaching of the gospel, his number of converts, baptisms, communions, confessions? I guarantee you priests would be going door to door. <laughs> but what if your spiritual livelihood, your eternal destiny, depended on the preaching of the gospel? Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel, St. Paul says. We have good news to share. We shouldn't hide it. God comes to save us, and he offers us peace, a peace which the world cannot give. This conference can serve as a moment for us to renew our efforts to be enthusiastic about the gospel, to use new methods and new means to share what we know, that God is loved and that we are, in fact, loved by God. The fourth thing he said is entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs are persons of integrity. Other people are attracted to them. And they want to work for them and want to surround themselves with people who have gifts and talents. Are you a person of integrity? In our first reading, we heard that God is righteous. And one who belongs to God acts with righteousness with justice. Is that you? That is how people will know that we belong to God, if we act with justice and righteousness, or any of the other virtues. Later on in the first reading, it talked about purity of heart, not just sexual purity, but are you patient? Are you generous? Are you kind? Can you tolerate other people's weaknesses and faults? This is what attracts, to build people up. St. Barnabas, the companion of St. Paul, his name means son of encouragement. Are you a son or a daughter of encouragement? 
who can mobilize people and attract them. Our late Pope Emeritus, in his encyclical letter, Caritas in Veritate, talked about the financial crisis in 2008 and how we had many intelligent people, how we had a great amount of technology that could have helped us, but instead it was simply used for more profit. And the people who had the knowledge and the technology were not virtuous. Again, do we strive for the higher things, to be persons of integrity? The saints are great models for us, but we are not the saints. God has given us this body, this soul, this mind to be the person he has called us to be, and no one else. But he has also given us the dignity of being called a son or daughter of God. He loved us in this way we heard in our first reading and made us his sons and daughters. And what we will be in the future has not yet been revealed to us. But we will be like him and we will see him. But for now, let's start practicing being more like God. He came down from heaven so that we might share in his life, so that we might, he took on our human nature, so that we might become more like him in his divine nature. This is what will attract, and this is why the Catholic faith attracts, because it is true, it is good, and it is beautiful. Dostoevsky says it is beauty that will save the world. So be beautiful in the sight of God. St. Therese, the little flower, says there is nothing more important. And it is this integrity of life, consistency in life, that can help draw others to Christ. Finally, he said a servant leader he said a servant leader, he said a, a last characteristic of an entrepreneur is that they are servant leader. And I sort of rolled my eyes. I said, you know, I don't know how to say this, but when I was in the seminary in the 90s, we heard servant leadership, and we thought, oh, that sounds very much like something in the 70s. Uh, if, if, if I were to say that to somebody today, they'd say, oh, that sounds like something from the 90s. Uh, servant leadership, it sounds like a catchphrase, a worn-out catchphrase. He said, well, Bishop, let me rephrase it for you. A servant leader is someone who is willing to sacrifice himself first before sacrificing others. An entrepreneur is willing to sacrifice himself rather than sacrifice his employees. Thought about a priest friend of mine. His father had a machine tool part company, and they were struggling to make payroll during the Carter and Ford years. So he took out his personal savings to pay his workers. He was willing to make the sacrifice. Well, I'll tell you what, Jesus, whose name means God saves, was willing to make the sacrifice for all of us, to, sh to shed the glory of heaven, to come down to earth, to suffer not having any place to be born, a harsh straw for his bed. He was willing to suffer being rejected by his own family. He was willing to suffer being abandoned by his friends. He didn't say, hey, there's Peter, James, and John, take them instead of me. He is willing to suffer out of love upon the cross, and this requires sacrifice. Before the reforms of the Second Vatican Council, the priest had a canned homily for, uh, for marriage, and it talked about the beauty of marriage, the greatness of marriage, children is the crown of marriage, and then it said, and the key to every marriage, successful marriage is the principle of sacrifice. Sacrifice is usually difficult and irksome. Only love can make it easy. 
and perfect love can make it a joy. We are willing to sacrifice in proportion to our love, and when our love is perfect, the sacrifice is complete. There is no greater love than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. The shepherds were spiritual entrepreneurs. I imagine the three kings made their journey and saw this child and went back by another route and told other people what they had seen. Joseph had to be a spiritual entrepreneur, trying to find a place for the child to be born, traveling to go to Egypt and learn a new language and find a job to provide for his family, always looking to God for insight as to how to do this. The vision of God. In the end, that's what it comes back to, because God saves. We are pilgrims on this journey, and we are still mourning the loss of our Pope Emeritus. But in his first encyclical letter in the first paragraph, he said, being a Christian is not a result of an ethical choice or a lofty idea. It is the result of an encounter with a person or an event who gives our life a decisive direction and opens up new horizons. Now, Pope Benedict XVI goes toward that event that horizon. His life always had a decisive direction, but a newness comes, and we commend him to the Lord and to Mary, the Mother of Mercy. And yet, this is what he always longed for, this encounter, which is not an end, but a new beginning. At this Mass, we will encounter the one whom the shepherds met and whom Mary gazed upon not only at his birth, but at his death. The one who reveals to us that there is a love stronger than death. Should we not be moved, changed by such a love, by such an encounter? Yes, God is love, and love has a name, and his name is Jesus, which means God saves.